For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 173 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Wooden. Creeping towards that 200 episodes, Mark. Be here, before, be here before you know it. Um, boy, all I can think about is fucking Red Dead Redemption, so I might be struggling a little this week. Man, right? Whoa, boy. That's that may be all anybody boy. that plays video games could think about. I know, man. Um, but I will do my best to focus and talk about something I love even more than Red Dead. Red Dead's going to be with me for the next hundred hours of my gaming time, maybe more. I but find Star myself Wars. using the, the poker quips in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do us both a favor and shut up? Oh, man. You guys, Will Witten, every time I uh, hop on the headset while he's playing uh, Red Dead and we'll chat for a little bit, he's always playing poker. He's like, I'm cleaning these fools up. It's a poker right now. It's hard not to. They make it easy. (laughs) Well, this isn't the Red Dead Redemption 2 podcast, although we could do that. This is a Star Wars podcast. As much as you and I have played it. Yeah. Um, Been fucking up my sleep schedule and stuff. Oof. Oh, me too. First world problems. Anyways, um, we got a couple of things to talk to you guys about this week. Star Wars-wise, nothing earth-shattering. Something kind of sad, at least for me. And uh, then we got uh, a couple of voicemails and a handful of emails, so we will hear from you guys as well. But in the meantime... Why don't you guys hop over and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon, and every Monday we're posting up bonus Blue Harvest content, whether that's Star Wars Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel or Blue Harvest Adventures, or Jaws, or Oh No, It's Hall Solo. And guys, I know you've been waiting with bated breath. Coming this Monday, Episode 2 of Cooking 
with Chef Will. That's right. Get excited. Get excited. Get hype. Why don't you uh, go full throttle and go on over to patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast to check that out. Try it out if that's your sort of thing. If you're into that and you want to help us out and saving up to buy a little new equipment, maybe bump up our uh, podcast quality even more. And speaking of Blue Harvest Adventures, our buddy Game Master Extraordinaire Robbo sent in another little preview, a little behind the scenes look at uh, an episode of Blue Harvest. Maybe entice any of you guys that um, haven't joined up to the Patreon yet. Maybe coming over, see what you're missing. So uh, let's hear from our buddy Robbo. Hey everybody, it's your boy Robbo here, and uh, I'm the Game Master for Blue Harvest Adventures, which is a Patreon-only real-play RPG podcast where I guide Haas, Will, and Jesse through adventures in the old West End games, pen and paper, Star Wars game. Um, one of my favorite things I like to do for this is uh, insert little references and shoutouts to my favorite bits of forgotten Star Wars lore, and Episode 6 was no exception. So check out this clip, and I'll see you on the other side. This alley is actually kind of empty, except for a trio of hooded humanoid figures crouched on either side of a camping stove. We'll walk up and say, excuse me, monks, could you help us get to the North Spaceport? Oh, greetings, travelers. We are adherents to the sacred way. They explain to you that what little they have, they are obliged to give. Their beliefs require them to give it up immediately upon demand. Um, but they say that uh, the spaceport is they, all they can say is that the spaceport is to the north. We're, so we should keep going north. But I asked these guys, yeah. hey, if you see some Imperial guys, can you run a distraction for us? <laughs> distraction? Share we share with them the tenets of the great and sacred yes. way? Absolutely. Oh, by all means. They would do. love that shit. Be on your way and know that we will take good care of the friends of yours. So uh, our heroes uh, continue traveling down as f- rapidly as possible. But as you're doing that, the uh, the Imperial uh, uh, thugs and whatnot spot you and they go into the alley. They meet up with your uh, three mendicant friends. You say, greetings, travelers. We've uh, Your presence has been foretold. We wish to share with you the bountiful wisdom of the sacred path. Please sit for a spell at the fire and we will uh, enlighten you at the customs officer says, uh, uh, no, it, it's not necessary. We, we are, d- d- it's, uh, we, we don't uh, we have order and uh, at this moment the uh, three uh, mendicants uh, strip naked and hand them their cloaks (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so those nude monks follow the sacred way which is a religion that first appeared in marvel star wars volume one issue seven way back in september 1977 this issue involves han and chewie's adventures on a planet called aduba three they see uh, an insectoid priest of the sacred way dragging a coffin up to be buried in a uh, pauper's grave the deceased was a cyborg and as such was considered by the locals on aduba three to be inhuman and unfit for burial Han intervenes when an angry mob harasses the priest. He calls the priest Para, which the editors say is high galactic for father, and the priest calls him Fee, which uh, they say means child. So the sacred way is pretty much space Roman Catholicism. Um, the priest even carries a thoroughfare with incense, so it's, it's a little on the nose. And according to writer Roy Thomas, Uncle George was not happy with this story. It was the very first original Marvel comic Star Wars story, and probably the very first story ever written for what was later called the Expanded Universe. The Sacred Way is actually canon once again, thanks to Pablo Hidalgo's solo A Star Wars Story, The Official Guide. 
Um, in it, Pablo names one of the aliens in the Coronet spaceport, Priest Dobarn Tren, and identifies him as a clergyman of the Sacred Way. So this is just one of many deep cuts I've snuck into Blue Harvest Adventures. Some of it's uh, my own design, some of it's from the game material, some of it's from who knows where. And it's one of many, many more reasons uh, to become a patron and check it out for yourself. So become a patron, give it a listen, and uh, hit me up on the uh, private patrons uh, Discord server and tell me if you spotted any other references. Anyway, I'll let you guys get back to the show. See ya, Space Cowboys. And by the way, besides a Patreon, besides all our social media links and email address, we are so excited to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, the best damn-ass podcast network in the entire galaxy. We are, we are proud to be part of a group of pod legendary podcasters. How we're, we're fucking part of that group? I don't know. Just a touch of luck, I guess. Uh, legendary podcasts such as Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Sith List, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiot's Array, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. So, buddy, I would ask you, I'd be, uh, you know, I always like to catch up with you a little bit, but We've been you know, talking pretty much every day since last you know, Thursday, and I know what's been up. You know how I've been every night this week. Oh, I did maybe one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in a video game. Uh, I didn't get to play yesterday, so it must have been Tuesday evening. Uh, actually, it was. It was right after you got off the headset. Jesse got off the headset, and I stayed up for maybe another hour and played some. And I was riding around on my horse, Walter. That's right. My, my horse's name is Walter. And it was uh, it was nighttime, right? I'm out trying to compete, complete some sort of challenge, like a horse riding challenge where you have to ride between these two locations in a certain amount of time. Well, I got distracted because as I'm riding, I pass this sort of uh, uh, little uh, area, wooded area, and I hear people talking, and they're, like, cheering. It sounds like they're having a party. And I can see, like, flame out in the woods. And I'm like, fuck this challenge. I got to go see what's going on. And there's, like, you know, this real country guy being like, gentlemen, we are here to celebrate a very momentous occasion. And I'm like, oh, this might be a, a fucking rival cowboy gang. I better sneak up just in case. So I crouch down, right, sneaking up, and guess what I happened upon? What, what was it? A goddamn clan rally. Oh, my God. Burning cross and all. And oh. I cannot tell you how fucking satisfying it was lighting a stick of dynamite. Oh, my God. And throwing it into the middle of those dudes. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> clan <laughs> hoods and racists just go fucking flying. One dude, one sole survivor didn't end well for him either. No, of course not. <laughs> and might have might have add mega honor points for uh, destroying the clan rally. Hell mega yeah, mega honor points. Fucking satisfying. It's one of those no things that when it was over, I was like, I should have recorded that clip. I got this bad habit. You should have recorded that clip. Um, I got this bad habit of letting people out of the jail wagons. I should not. It's not worth it. Okay, and then like uh, you let them out. And if you have a weapon drawn from your previous bloodbath that you had to do to get him out, and you had to just shoot off the lock, they think you're about to kill him, and so they leave. Like, 
you and then you get negative honor points for that as well. Uh, so the whole thing was lost. It was a negative sink all the way. I'm just gonna quit <laughs> doing it, or I'm gonna try to get behind it or something. So you know, I, that's something that took me a second to realize too. Like those little random events that pop up, they're not always honorable for you to participate in i would say it seems like 80 percent of them are but then there are ones that if you you do it you lose honor and that's one of them like i think maybe the only way you can pull that one off without losing honor is if you ride up behind the jail wagon and shoot the lock off and then just run off without killing the guards or something i don't know it seems like it'd be kind of tough yeah (laughs) well anyways it's an incredible game. It feel like I uh, saved this lady. This dude was taking her, like kidnapping her and beating her on a horse. And I shot him off that horse and I pulled her off and I cut her free. And because it still had my knife drawn, she was like, ah, and ran away. And I got negative honor points. I was like, damn it. This is, I, I just wasn't, I'd forgot to put my knife. I had just cut her loose. Oh man. <clears throat> uh, we should probably move on to Star Wars because I could fucking chit chat about that game. I know, right? Well, and we would talk about stupid shit, chopping wood, Chop. making coffee. I bought a coffee pot so I could make coffee. I mean, who wants to hear about that? No oh, I fished in a video game. We talked about this last week. I'm obsessed with fucking fishing mini games. Yeah. In in video games lately. Well, clearly, I got a hard on for the poker. Yeah, and it took me forever. Like you don't just start off being able to fish. No. So I'm playing the game and i'm like fuck when do i get to fish and then jesse comes out of the bedroom because she's obsessed with it too and she's all gloating and stuff she's like hey baby guess what i just figured out how to do and i'm like don't you say it don't you tell me you just figured out how to fish before me yeah i can fish now she's all proud of herself because she knows Mm -hmm. i'm obsessed right 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 but i finally unlocked it and it's just as bad as I thought it was going to be. I spent an hour and a half just sitting on my couch digital fishing. <laughs> it's like hunting. Ugh. It's like hunting. I will hop off my horse <laughs> and start creeping and then do a little run scoot and like get to the next valley. And then I look over, boom, hit the deer, skin him, turn around, try to, you know, I'll, I'll like, I get led down the path of keep hunting animals and turn around. Oh, I've been hunting for two hours. I've been hunting animals for two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm so far from my horse, he can't come when I call him. Dude, uh, this is what I'll say you know, before we move on to Star Wars. A testament to this game's quality and, and how fun it is is I'm not a big Western guy. I don't really enjoy Western movies. I've seen a couple that I enjoy, but... I mean, not, I'm a Western guy. Yeah, I it, mean, I get what you're saying. Not my really my thing, my genre, you know? Despite that, it is still sucking me in and is and still is still fucking supremely enjoyable so i feel like it's one of those games that's going to revolutionize the way games are made you know you can feel when you're playing one of those like you felt it when you're playing the first mm-hmm. halo it feels you know. like the pinnacle of this console generation you know right. in right. a very similar way to how grand theft auto 5 felt right like a pinnacle the to the 360 ps3 era this right. feels like yet another pinnacle. Um, but that being Rockstar's said... Rockstar's got good timing for releasing these things on if, console lives. If this was the exact same game, but in a sci-fi setting, I probably would have gotten fired this week for missing work. Like, and, and I work for my it's family. It's so, so. enthralling. It's, yeah. Well, anyways. It gets the 
hooks in you, dude. <clears throat> so a little bit of Star Wars news actually broke last Friday. If we had uh, recorded on our normal day, we would have been able to cover it last week. But I'm going to be honest, I ain't really looking uh, forward to covering this. So, um, okay, hold on. All right. So what happened was, I believe it was Thursday night, there was a special screening of the Black Panther being hosted by Kathleen Kennedy. And afterwards, a journalist who works for Deadline by the name of Eric Weber asked her a couple of questions. He got a chance to ask her just a couple quick things. And, um, well, one of the things he asked her was about the Boba Fett movie. And she confirmed to him that it is a dead. It is definitely not happening. And that all of their focus right now is on the Mandalorian when it comes to, you know, fucking cool dudes in armor. Oh, no. So, and you cannot imagine, like, as soon as that started breaking, like, it was almost like people had their thumbs, not everybody, obviously, but... A certain amount of people had their thumbs over that damn shrug emoji. Like, they were like, oh, it's time to get smug online about Boba Fett. Like, they were like, hey, mom, where's my dancing shoes? I want to (laughs) go dance on the grave of this Boba Fett movie real quick. Like, talking about riding golf carts in Buttercup Valley, trying to find where the goddamn Sarlacc pit was so they can dance on Boba Fett's grave and shit. Oh, wow. (laughs) Dude, I mean, and once again, it's... It's that social media thing where you focus on the negative, like where you see something and you're like, well, I don't agree with that. I'm going to focus on that. And I was just like, damn, it seems like everybody today is shitting on Boba Fett. It's 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 cool to kick somebody when they're down on and, the internet. And look. Not in real life. I understand. I, and that's the thing with Boba Fett. It's tough for me because there's a lot of perfectly reasonable points why people are don't don't like Boba Fett and the one you hear most common makes a ton of sense is like I don't get it he doesn't do anything like I I don't just like a character because he looks cool and right so you know that's totally understandable it's just like a bummer to see so many people excited like the one Star Wars joy the Star Wars spinoff like character focused movie that I really wanted everybody's get not giddy that it's happening giddy that it's not happening and fucking, and not just giddy, or real smug, my dude, or real what's smug. Real, what's real shitty is that because they're like, oh, because fuck that character that everybody else likes. You know, that's that's really hateful. I don't even know that it's necessarily that like everybody else likes it. Like, <coughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Uh oh, pauses. Um, if there's something that being a little more involved with, say, I guess the Star Wars fandom than I have been in the past, um, has taught me is that like Boba Fett is not necessarily as popular as I thought. There's a ton of Boba Fett fans out there, and they're voracious merch buyers. That's why Boba Fett stuff is typically pretty hard to find. You know. Like when he's part of a wave of figures or something. Look, I I understand, but I remember growing up 
that, you know, you would come across Star Wars fans and they would be like, oh, I don't like Boba Fett or Boba Fett's lame or I don't like Han Solo or Han Solo is lame. Like that was friendship defining for me. If you didn't like yeah. Han Solo or Boba, we couldn't be friends. Like we just did not see life in the same way, you know. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I mean, guess I was a child then as well. But yeah, I, there's there's just um, for me, it's not even that. Like honestly, there was probably a time when I was that dude that I was like, "What? You don't like Star Wars? You don't like Boba Fett? No friend of mine." But at this point, there's so many things other than Boba Fett that I love in Star Wars. That I mean, of course, I'm just you know, like ninety percent of the time with a fellow Star Wars fan, there's some sort of common ground. You know, I'm just of the camp that Boba Fett is kick-ass. Yeah. Okay, Boba too. Fett is kick-ass. Like, because Han, to me, Han Solo is pretty slick and pretty badass. So to catch Han Solo, you have to also be maybe second badass, right? Because you had to use trickery to get him. You couldn't just get him. You had to lay a trap. <coughs> so then, you know, this Boba Fett movie, right? Yeah. It has had a interesting history. I would... This is the, like, there's so much crazy behind-the-scenes stuff going on during this era of Star Wars that I really wish, like, I say it all the time, like, those J.W. Rensler making-of books, like, although I guess he couldn't do one about a movie that never got made, it would be so fascinating to hear the ins and outs, because, you know, originally, their, uh, Josh Trank was was hired to do a Boba Fett movie. It was never right. announced, quote-unquote, officially, that that's what he was doing. But Anthony Bresnikan, a fucking, you know, solid, reliable source of Star Wars information on Steel Wars said that at Celebration 2015, when they had the Future of Star Wars panel, you know, and they showed that first sort of teaser for Rogue One that was never released to the public. Like, there's a ton of bootlegs out there, but never came out in any official capacity, that there was also going to be a Boba Fett teaser. And that got pulled from the presentation because not not very long before Celebration, Josh Trank got the axe. Right? And then, right. you know, <clears throat> we didn't really hear much more than that. And then the day Solo was released, where are we? We're in California hanging out with our buddy Aaron Boyd. And we stopped get out of our rental car and I'm just scrolling through Twitter and I've got all these notifications. And that's when it was bro. Like the story came out that supposedly James Mangold director of Logan, et cetera, et cetera, was going to be the director of the Boba Fett movie. <laughs> and then long story short, solo doesn't do so well. Then we start getting news come out that yo, uh, star Wars, characters standalone spinoff movies on hold if not canceled now right right so things were looking pretty grim the the idea that the boba fett movie um wasn't going to happen at least now was something i've made peace with for a while right given all this and it with the mandalorian and stuff like i kind of felt like well they're trying to fill that hole without yeah, I'm, going right to boba fett yeah i'm i'm I can't be too upset. I'm getting a whole Mandalorian TV show, right? Right. Well, Anthony Bresnikan, after you know this news starts um, coming out, he elaborates 
in in an article on Entertainment Weekly. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. You guys should go check it out, but I'll, I'll pick out a few key points. The Boba Fett movie has been frozen in carbonite. The film that was never officially announced is now unofficially no longer in development. Sources close to the project tell AEW. A Star Wars standalone film about the galactic bounty hunter was being worked on by Logan director James Mangold. But that now has been backburnered while the company focuses on the TV series The Mandalorian from the Jungle Book and Iron Man filmmaker John Favreau. Uh, Deadlight Hollywood reported the news after film journalist Eric Weber reported that the project was canceled last night after interviewing Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy at an Oscar season event for the Black Panther. Entertainment Weekly sources confirmed that the film about Fett, which had been something Lucas has been exploring, Lucasfilm has been exploring since 2013, is now not an active development. However, the possibility of a resurrection remains. Here's where it gets fucking. Here's a, a tasty little morsel we haven't heard from yet. Heard yet? The movie would have focused on Fett and the menagerie of bounty hunters who appeared alongside him on the deck of a Star Destroyer in The Empire Strikes Back. Oh my god, it was going to be a bounty hunter movie. It was, man. Fucking IG-88, Bosk, Dengar, Forlom. Oh my goodness. Zuckus. Good old Zuckus. Uh, back in they April- should have never told you that. I know. That's the worst thing they could have done. Back in April 2015, Lucasfilm had even prepped a teaser clip of the Boba Fett film for Trank to unveil at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, but that presentation was canceled just a day before as Trank's role in creating the film fell into question. Whew. That's a bummer, man. I could have finally seen fucking... A full-on live-action res- representation of uh, IG-88. Not just him yep. standing there, moving his head side to side. Still looking mm-hmm. cool, but... Mm-hmm. Off you make her. <clears throat> man. Man, oh man. That little bit, that little nugget, that little morsel really... That dug the knife pretty deep. It did, man. It did. It did. Dude, that's awful. They shouldn't... <sighs> they should have never told you that. Well, it's not like... Anthony Bresnikan did it personally to spite me. I know. He's such a nice guy. He is a very nice guy. You know what? I had the uh, opportunity to meet him and talk to him briefly when um, Steele was nice enough to have me on the solo reaction show Right. uh, when we were out in California. And Anthony Bresnikan is literally one of those dudes is as nice as he seems on all the podcasts you've you've heard him on. He's super nice. Um. But yeah. I guess pour one out for my homie Boba. Or get your shrug emoji ready. I don't know, man. Eh. Meh. Meh. So the other thing I wanted to talk with you about this week was episode four of uh, Star Wars Resistance, The High Tower. That's right. It's pretty good. I saw it myself. Yeah. I uh, I watched it Sunday. It was the one thing. This this proves to me like how supreme Star Wars role uh rules my life so sunday jesse and i both had the day off went and got some sushi and then the plan was like red dead until we can red dead no longer and before i started playing them online and i see someone say hey 
the new episode of Resistance is already up on the Disney app. So before I got into the Red Dead, I watched uh, some Star Wars. And uh, I watched it again today just to get a little refresher before we record. Um, yeah, I thought it was a strong episode. Like, m- maybe even up there with, my, you know, we're only four episodes in, but up there with some of my favorite moments in the series, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was a great next step in the story. Great character development. <laughs> yeah. You know, good, um, good, 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 good step. I like the approach. More mystery questions, yeah. answers. I like the approach they're taking to introducing characters into the show. So you know, I do too. In the first episode, you sort of get your your introduction to Kaz, and then the rest of the you know sort of main cast that you're going to spend most of the time with. Right. They show you the the aces, but they don't really. You don't get much time with them or really figure out what they're about. Um, and I like that they didn't just try to cram that all in and give you little pieces. And instead, like, we got this episode, which seemed to be, you know, besides advancing the story, also a, a more in-depth introduction to hype, hype phase on. Right. <clears throat> um, I had some neat little references in it, I thought, so... You know, the whole premise of this episode is that there's like a power shutdown going on on the Colossus. They're shutting down power for 100 hours or whatever. And um, Kaz learns from Hype that the First Order are, are doing like a fuel run or bringing in fuel, a fuel delivery, something. He finds right. out that the First Order is is coming and they're, they're meeting with um, Doza. Um, Tora's dad, the guy that yeah, sort of the guy that runs the station. Yeah, and so he's trying to get into the uh, the tower where all the aces hang out to sort of figure out what the hell the first order's doing there. So you know we got a little more first order stuff. I always forget the name of the guy in the red armor. You see him in the first episode. I and, forget his name too, but he becomes a, a menace in this episode. Yeah, and he's cool looking too. Like, oh yeah. Um, he shows up with some stormtroopers. I thought the first order stormtroopers looked, for the most part, pretty good in this animation style. There was playing that trumpet. Uh, there was mm. one um shot where they're like when they first show up and they're coming down the landing ramp. Where it's kind of looking up at them, and I thought they looked a little odd from that angle. It's the smallest oh. of nitpicks. Like it's just something I noticed. Yeah. But um, you know, at one point, Kaz hides from the First Order in Tora Doza's room, and there's some neat little references in there. There's like an, a stuffed Ewok teddy bear in her bunk. Um, I didn't even realize this until I heard our buddy Sal mention it on the latest Now This Is Podcasting, but there's a poster in her room that's uh, some of Sabine's artwork from Rebels. I, I saw that that bird in the background. I was like, that looks familiar, but I didn't realize it was Sabine. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's what it is. So, um, and there she's also got like a, a stuffed uh, Max Rebo in her room. Like there's, you know, I like little references like that. Right. Um, 
And so, you know, Kaz basically spends the rest of the show running from the First Order. Um, but yeah, I, you know, earth-shattering, nah. Extremely eye-opening, nah. But like you said, a little character development, progressing the story just a little bit. I dig it. I am, I am looking forward to when we sort of get into uh, the more meat of the show. And it seems like we're getting there, but like more encounters with the First Order, a little more racing. We really haven't seen a whole lot of the aces doing their thing, except in like that first episode and then um, the second right. episode when they're fighting against the pirates and stuff. Yeah. So I'd like to see a little more of that. But, you know, it's still early. I'm still enjoying the show. I still like... Uh, the animation. I think this episode had maybe the best joke, like gag in it of the series so far. Um, Which one? When Kaz is like, oh, the First Order's coming. I need to go investigate. And he's trying to think of an excuse to get out of the room. He's like, oh, I got to go. I got to charge BB-8. His power's getting low. And then BB-8 looks at him. And, and then falls over. And then, like, plays along, like, that he's ha he's having low power issues. I thought that was... I thought it was cute. You're right. I thought that it was, was funny. the best so far. Yes, you are correct. <clears throat> I like that gag quite a bit. Um, What is... Uh, I forget her name. She's the mechanic. Uh, You know, that wants to be an ace pilot. She yeah, works yeah, on yeah. the fireball. I forget her name. Damn it. I'm going to look it up. You get a... a you know, a little bit of her backstory and right. character development. And her connection to Faison. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was really well done. Like It was very well done. And it actually showed me that Kaz was a fairly competent spy. Like He, he finally little, did a decent job this time, right? The little trick with the communicator on the... Um, on the tray that mm -hmm. went in there, that was slick spying, my friend. Uh, the bumbling move where the feedback got him busted was not, but you know, as far as his first move goes, is it know, Tam? Well, it is Tam. Tam. Yeah, Tam. I was gonna say Tor or something like that, but I'm glad it was close. Well, Tora is is the little girl. It, well, I don't know. I think she's supposed to be about the same um, age as Kaz. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. It's a hairstyle or something. They they make her out to be younger than, <laughs> or they make Kaz out to be older than he is. I don't know one of the other. It's well to me. It's kind of hard to get a solid age on necessarily anybody that's not clearly older in this show. Right. I don't know if that's the voice acting or the animation or or a, a combination of both. Like clearly, Kaz is old enough to be part of the military, so. He's at least 18, you know? Right. He's he's flying for the resistance, I assume. Like, maybe it's fucked up in the Star Wars universe and you become a pilot at, like, 13 or 14. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting in too much real-world influence on that, but... Who knows? Um, dude, this is weird. I'm looking on Wikipedia, right? And I know Wikipedia is not necessarily a pantheon of accurate... Right. news and information all the time. I was specifically looking on here to get the, the name of that character. And, you know, it's got the cast list list and, and who all they're playing, right? And it's got 
you know, all the main characters, then it says recurring, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Quindlin Christie as Captain Phasma, and then under guests, it has Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Elijah Wood as Jace Rucklin, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and John Boyega as FN-2187. Is that just people guessing and adding? Because I know for a fact there hasn't been an official announcement that John Boyega and Adam Driver are going to be appearing in this show. It may be guessing. I mean, it may be, yeah. It has to be. Well, I mean... Or it's someone in the know, and no one has the evidence to say that it's false. Because, for one, you would assume... Okay, not that it doesn't make sense. We've said on the show, like, we could we could see a Kylo Ren Yeah, appearance. it would make sense to see any of those characters, honestly. For sure. And honestly, I kind of feel like we might have heard C-3PO on the first episode when they're on the... Uh, we didn't see yeah. him, but we heard him, right, over, like, the intercom system on the... Uh, the Carillion Corvette that Kaz goes on with uh, Poe? Is it C-3PO that comes over like the intercom system is like, Commander Dameron or Captain Dameron, you're needed in the comm room or whatever the fuck, right? I can't remember now, but doesn't he place a call to Leia as Yeah. He stumbles in on a call with Leia as well. Yeah. You don't hear her, but you see her. And 3PO (sighs) could be there. Um, Yeah, okay. But why it wouldn't really make sense to see, I guess, in this, you know, there's ways around this, but in The Force Awakens, Finn tells Rey that the mission on Jakku was his first mission. He was like, you know, on my first mission, they tried to get me to kill people and I couldn't. I'm not saying the the right, I'm not, you know, directly quoting the dialogue or anything. Um... Well, maybe he doesn't have to shoot anybody when you see him. Maybe he's running something. Yeah, maybe he's just guarding something. I guess that could be the case. That's a good point. <clears throat> Interesting. Interesting. That's normally... I feel like that's one of those things I, I would have seen people be like, uh, has anybody noticed that Adam Driver's on the cast list on Wikipedia? And Honestly, maybe they have. Right. Everybody knows, though, it's Wikipedia. Yeah, which is an excellent point, and not any reason to get too excited. Although, I think it would be pretty fucking rad to see Kylo Ren in Resistance. Of course it would. Especially in the animation style. Like, his robes and his mask, I think that could look really cool. Yeah, it could be cool. You know what, the animation style, I think, doesn't lend itself well to aging. We were talking about ages earlier. You don't get to see a lot of the wrinkles and shading of the face, I feel like. Yeah, because Jaeger is supposed to be an older guy. Yeah, but and he, does, he doesn't you know, really feel that like, much older. Just from the look of it, the voice actor conveys it. I think well that some age in the voice, but the, just the the character design. I I think you might be right. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, I just think the animation <laughs> style itself doesn't lend itself to aging. I think you you know you can and it it works, but it just you know the thing about wrinkles and definitions of aging is they create. So many different lighting angles on the face mm-hmm. and shadows and the way you know the way that works. You want to uh, jump into some voicemails and some emails this evening? Uh, absolutely, positively. That is that is a saying. 
That is a saying that Will just used. Absolutely, positively. I don't know. Anyway, here we go. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All right, well, first up, we got our buddy King Tom kicking off the voicemails as King Tom. He do that. He do that from time to time. A lot yep. of the time. Let's hear what the king has to say. Hey, Oz and Will. It's King Tom. Saw in the news earlier this week that as part of the Disney streaming service, Marvel is going to produce a TV show featuring the antics of the Falcon and Bucky. And as if I didn't have a 100,000 other reasons for signing up for this streaming service the day it was launched, here's another one. But this has me thinking, you know, if if you sign up the day of, and I'm sure that some of the content we're going to get is going to be staggered, and we're not getting everything at once. But out of everything, what's your prior priority? I I know, for me, new Star Wars content is going to be first, which, as far as everything we know, is going to boil down to either the Mandalorian or the Clone Wars Seeds of Mandalore, assuming that we get both of those day one when it launches so if it came down to it is there one that you're more likely to watch first i go back and forth on this because while i'm probably more interested in don't don't get me wrong i'm I'm really looking forward to both but i'm probably more interested in the mandalorian having said that i might watch the clone wars first because to me it's the second to last chapter in a book that we already know the ending of we don't know the chapter we don't know how the chapter goes but we know the ending and it'll be nice just to have that put away solved while the mandalorian it's new characters new places we hope and a whole new time period this is going to be the first you know thing set a few years after return of the jedi and it's going to be the first star wars live action show but at the same time everyone's going to be talking about it, and I'm going to be a half hour or whatever behind because I'm watching the Clone Wars. So I go back and forth, probably more leaning towards the Clone Wars, but that's just me. I'm curious to see what you guys think, or would you do the whole dual screen watching both at the same time thing? Hmm. That's crazy talk. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for a great podcast, and I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for calling in, King Tom. That is a tough question. What do you think, Will? Oh, not for me. Mandalorian. All Mandalorian the all the way for you, no just question. because. I mean, I, I'll quit. I'll Tarantino it. I'll see the now, and then I'll go back and watch the what happened earlier. So, <clears throat> it's a tough question for me because 
like King Tom, there's so much sort of left in the air and there was so much sort of disappointment in Clone Wars not getting the full wrap-up that it deserved. Um, you know, and the surprise of it coming back, like, with me, I was like, well, we're getting those extra season six Lost Mission episodes. That's probably it, right? And then a couple of years later, they announced they're bringing it back. So there is appeal in that. And I also kind of wonder, is there anything that's going to happen specifically in the Siege of Mandalore arc that sort of is going to end off the Clone Wars, from what we can tell, um, that will inform the Mandalorian? You would think there would have to be. Um, I don't know that we would be getting them both at the same time, though. So I don't know that this terrible Sophie, Sophie's choice will be a reality. The thing, I don't think anything you would get in the Clone Wars Siege of Mandalore would be crucial to having to seeing the Mandalorian. Like I don't think nothing in there will be like you have to watch this. No, really no, I think it. You know, I think it will be more just. I bet there'll be some seeds of information, some juicy little Easter egg kind of thingies. Maybe not even that, where you'll but be just like, uh, oh, I recognize that from Clone Wars, or oh, I know yeah, that guy from Clone Wars. That could very well be the case, but to me, it's probably more just information on Mandalore, you know, like backstory on Mandalore itself and Mandalorian society and their role towards the end of the Clone Wars that may inform the Mandalorian at some point. Um, honestly, though, like the more and more we hear about this Disney streaming service, if you're a Star Wars fan or a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan or better yet, a combination of the two, it's sounding like the service is a must-have with the Marvel miniseries, the character character miniseries, Mandalorian, the last season of the Clone Wars. Like it seems like this is like a, they're really trying to make this a service that is appealing to people, um, and that's exciting. Uh, being a fan of both franchises, that's really exciting. Um, Indeed. Honestly, though, in, in a hypothetical world where all of that is available at once, like let's say I get a traumatic head injury and I'm in a coma, and when I come out of my coma, the Disney streaming service is already a thing and all that content is already out, I think I still go for The Mandalorian first. Yeah, see? But I'm, I'm convinced that... <clears throat> I think... You know, especially with the filming filming the TV show now, a year out from the the service launching, I think the service will launch with one of the Star Wars offerings. I don't think we'll get Clone Wars and Mandalorian at the same time, and I don't think we're going to get it in a binge format either. I think they're going to go like the Hulu route, where we get a new episode every week. Yeah, stretch out them subscriptions. <clears throat> and I know it's not. Um, not necessarily a perfect analogy, but, you know, DC just launched their streaming service. And the way it's working is they put a new episode of their series up every week. And then once that series is done, so like that live action Titans is running right now. Yeah. As soon as that's done, the very next week, the first episode of another series starts. I think maybe like Young Justice 
starts, right? Is the live action Titans any good? Is it the Teen Titans? It is. They're not teens. They're Titans. So it's like them older. And All of them? Beast Boy, Starfire. Honestly, I know Starfire's Robin. in it. Robin is definitely in it. Or Nightwing or whatever he's going by. Um, I just know. I haven't seen an episode, so I, I can't judge it fully. I just know the preview I saw for Comic-Con did not make, like, wasn't like, oh, I need to get that that DC streaming service. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Like, one of the scenes is like it's Robin. Like, yikes. Robin beating up all these dudes, and they're like, you, you worked with Batman. And he's like, fuck Batman. Is he really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I was like, ooh. Hot Topic Edge Lord coming in. Choo-choo! Yikes. But maybe it's really good. Honestly, I, I haven't seen many people talking about it, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I And I, I say that from a negative and a positive way. I haven't seen anybody being super negative about it, and I haven't seen anybody being super positive about it either. So Poor DC. <laughs> DC's catching that reputation of like, oh, is it Marvel? It must be really good. Oh, is it DC? Oh, it's probably not that good. Like, yeah, I mean, they did. I, you know, they I'll, had some home runs. I mean, Wonder Woman was really good. That's what I was about to say. Wonder Woman was really good. And as far as the more recent live action stuff, that's about where it ends for me. Is is good stuff? You know, maybe I Aquaman. Still seen the Justice League was that <sighs> good? <sighs> oh no, no sir. Was it, which was worse, Batman versus Superman or the Justice League? Batman versus Superman was worse. I, in my opinion, there's fun to be had in Justice League. It's just, it's not great. CG is not great. You know, there's some wonky effects. There's some, there, there's some issues. But there is fun to be had in the Justice League movie. There are some parts where I was like, okay, all right, that's that's decent at least. You know. Do they mess with that Super Lord Superman timeline thing anymore like they did in uh, Batman versus Superman? Uh, no, not really. Like that alternate timeline nightmare that Bruce Wayne had? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, uh, I don't want to give it away. So it, it, Superman is not bad for a little bit, but he like... When he comes back to life, he's all fucked up and confused, and he fights the Justice League for a hot minute. Okay, right. But he comes Comic around. Style. Yeah. Right. Okay. Of course. <clears throat> um, okay, so next up, we got a voicemail from our buddy Sam. And we'll hear from him, and then we'll jump into emails. This is what Sam has to say. Hey, Oz and Will. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about Force Ghosts and what their potential role could be in future stories told after the events of the current sequel trilogy. <clears throat> you know, if the uh, you know if the Ryan Johnson trilogy say takes place you know two or three hundred years after the events of the current sequel trilogy, I think the Force Ghosts add a layer of complication in that. They're always in play, or could always be in play, especially Yoda, which is a, uh, a puppet that doesn't really depend on a particular actor's likeness. So what I mean is, so say like a future, say a future movie set in the future, 
I think there would be an expectation that at some point Force Ghost Luke or Force Ghost Anakin or Obi-Wan or Yoda will visit those future Jedi or Force users in some capacity and if they and if episode 9 introduces the possibility of um, Sith Ghost or some form of Sith living beyond death in some form then we have potentially Palpatine, Snoke or whatever kind of reappearing and making cameos and I don't know if that's a problem but um, I don't know how long that could go on for <coughs> um, where you have all these future stories um, with these with, with always that potential for a force ghost appearance um, especially as the actors age and um, I don't know uh, kind of curious your, your thoughts on that and what you and how you guys feel about force ghosts and um, how often and how much they should factor into uh, future stories. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. The force. Okay. Yeah, you got. I can tell you got something. Will take this. Buddy. Okay. Uh, it, Sam, that's a really good idea. It's a really cool thinking. I can see why. You, I can see where you're going. Um, you said you think they would be obligated. The force goes obligated to show up to a later generation at some point. I think it'd be the opposite. I think if they made something like that, it would be an obligation not to show a Force Ghost from a previous generation. Number one, they'd have no idea what was going on or anything like that. I think that the I think the ability of Force Ghost in Star Wars is always in play, but I think it's within one generation. Okay, I don't think they're ever going to use like a grandfathered or great grandfathered force ghost down the line to push the story i think if a force ghost does come into play i think it'll be from the trilogy that it pertains to or the one before so, you know you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um i don't you know i don't think 300 years from now yoda would show up it just wouldn't be appropriate it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense um but i do i do like the idea of Basically, like a Jedi seance, and not necessarily you know, like seance, but like if you got to be high level, high enough level Jedi master, you could do the two or three day intensive meditation that it took to commune with someone who had become one with the Force the way the Jedi had. Like, and, and like you weren't guaranteed that you could talk to them, but you could reach out or whatever. I don't know. I think it would be neat. Yeah, I don't know. Like. The thing about Force Ghost is it's one of those things that's so undefined and it should probably stay that way. Like It's a little deus ex machina every time you use it. So you can't so use it, it a lot. We've talked about this before, but you know, Timothy Zahn, when he was writing that original Thrawn trilogy, you know, early on in that first book, Heir to the Empire he sort of writes Force Ghost Obi-Wan out of the story. Like, Luke has a visit from Force Ghost Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan basically tells him, like, hey, you gotta go your own way, dude. I'm not gonna be able to appear to you anymore after this. And then he's gone. And Timothy Zahn's reasoning behind that was he didn't want that to be a crutch that Luke could always sort of fall back on when he was in trouble. Like, he wanted... Shake the magic eight ball and see what comes up. Right. So, you know, I could see wanting to avoid using it too much for that reason. 
Um, although, I've been recently rereading a, not old, but older, Dark Horse Star Wars comic series called Legacy that takes yeah. place like, I don't know, like I think 150 years after Return of the Jedi. And it's like about Luke Skywalker's descendant, uh, Cade Skywalker, and yeah, you know the reemergence of the Sith, reemergence of the Sith, blah blah blah. But in that comic series, that was an F F flat. <laughs> Luke appears to uh, Cade as a Force ghost, and it's honestly a pretty cool moment. So. But once again, being of his descendancy, right, that is cool. You know, right. that, that has a place, a so, reasoning. When you think about how Force ghosts have been used in, like, quote unquote, canon Star Wars so far, they've always appeared to Luke. And it's always been someone Luke has a connection to. That's true. So, like, Luke has never seen, as far as we know, Qui Gon. Now, there is that sort of wrinkle with the whole Qui Gon thing where he was able to become one with the force and, and come back and commune with the living, but not in the same sort of glowy blue guy form that the well, other maybe because he didn't do it the way Yoda and those guys did. His right. physical essence wasn't <clears throat> right. So, um, that being said, I don't know. Is that what they're trying to apply? That force ghosts can only appear to someone who has, uh, some sort of connection to that that entity. So, like, would that rule out necessarily Force Ghost Yoda or Force Ghost Obi Wan appearing to Ray? You know, would now if that happens, clearly then then that's not the rule. Like, and that's the thing. Like, since it's not set in stone, they can it always can mess happen around. when it happens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're basically playing with the Force Ghost idea when. Uh, Ray and Kylo are having premonitions of each other. I mean, it's not force ghostness, but it's it's uh I don't know, astral projection basically, force right. projection. Right, and Luke does the same thing. Like he right. projects himself. Um and the the force ghost is a projection of a previous self, you know, it's a Yeah. I don't know. Well, clearly not tangible. One thing I know that I really want to see in episode nine. And I don't know that, you know, we'll get it, but I would love to see force ghost Anakin show up. Oh, and that's the thing. If force ghost can show up when they want to, Anakin would have shown up by now and straightened out Kylo Ren, you know, Ben would have showed up and straightened out Luke a long ass time ago. If I don't think force ghosts can just appear to you when they want to, I think it takes a moment of dire need. I think it takes the will of the force. Like the force has to say, you need to go right now. Like, yeah. And well, you know, with Luke, he cut himself off from the force. So I imagine that, you know, keeps the force ghost thing from happening. You know, he, he purposely cut himself off from the force. So even if Obi-Wan or Yoda wanted to appear to him during that time on Octu, they may not have even been able to. Uh, I agree with you about Kylo. The weird thing about Kylo, though, is he clearly believes. I mean, you you can at least Im- infer it from the dialogue in The Force Awakens that he's been shown something from Darth Vader. 
Right. Remember, he says to the helmet, show me again the power of the dark side. Right. Which, of course, more than likely was some sort of... Trick by snow. Right, exactly. So, you know, you can't really count that, but it would be so badass to see Force Ghost Anakin, handsome-ass Hayden Christensen showing up. It's just, I don't know, man. I, Being I like, like son. Yeah. Son. I like it from a story standpoint, and I also kind of like it from the middle finger to the people that still bitch about Hayden Christensen's acting in the prequels. Like, guys, we're fucking... 13 years on from that. Like, it's you okay. You want to saw Force Ghost? Put Force Ghost Jar Jar Binks in something. There'll never be another Force Ghost. <laughs> now, see, I'm not, I'm not, and this isn't even think anything against Jar Jar. I'm not down with that kind of fuckery. You know what I mean? Like, don't give us ghosts of, of people that don't make sense or characters Somebody that would, don't make sense. Yeah, right. <clears throat> All right. Somebody so, was saying, let's give out toothbrushes with their candy i was like that's a good way to get your house tp'd or to never have ever trick-or-treaters again right um so we've got two emails from a new buddy by the name of josh so we'll read those and then we got an email from our buddy steven and then i believe that's it for us this week Will and Halls, my name is Josh, but I went by Billy Bob for the last 20 years, so we can just go with that one. I am the guy that sent the Facebook message to you guys for the email address. I'm trying to get up, get caught up on the podcast. I'm listening to my buddy Jeremy's episode first, and I just got done with episode 80, which was the Rogue One reactions. Probably my favorite episode so far. Absolutely love this podcast. And I know I'm late as hell, but on that episode, y'all were talking about who... Do you want to see, wait, who you don't want to see and who you want to see in Star Wars? I'd love him to death, but I don't ever want to see Zach Galifianakis in Star Wars. Ooh. <laughs> but I'd love to see my favorite Chris Pratt in Star Wars. Keep on keeping on, and may the force be with you. Josh, a.k.a. Billy Bob. Chris Pratt. Who is Chris Pratt? Who is Chris Pratt? Which which one of the Chris's is Pratt? Star-Lord. Oh, Okay. I like Chris Pratt a lot. I just kind of feel like he's got his Star Wars thing. Hey, I'm a, you know, Star Lord is basically Han Solo, right? It's I mean, it's kind of like I like Nathan Fillion, right. but I also feel like Nathan Fillion has done his own Star Wars thing with Firefly and Serenity. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if either of those dudes showed up in in Star Wars, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> I gotta just, be honest. I think Zach Galifianakis would make a kick ass like alien type character. What did I see? Jesse and I watched a movie very recently that had Zach Galifianakis in it. And was I, it A Wrinkle in Time? It was. That's exactly what it was. Because I, that's the character I thought about when I was like, you know, that in Star Wars would be appropriate. Like, I had no be- idea he was in the movie. For, so when he showed up, I was like, well, I'll be damned. <clears throat> All right. And so here we go again. Another email from our new buddy, Billy Bob, not Josh. Josh, if you're nasty. Uh, I have a question for both of you. Did either of you go to the Star Wars Expo in Huntsville at the Space and Rocket Center they did about eight years ago? If you did, what did you think about it? There's a picture I attached that I took of the banner in the front of the building in Huntsville to refresh the memories. I'm still loving the podcast, and I'm enjoying getting completely caught up. Have a good weekend, fellas. Roll Tide, and may the Force be with you. 
Mm-hmm. P.S. If you didn't get to go, let me kn- let me know. I have a ton of pictures you can at least look at that I can email you guys. Roll tide, <clears throat> Roll tide indeed. Um, I did not get to go. I did not even realize it was there. I would have gone. I so, went to the 30th anniversary Star Trek convention uh-oh. at the Civic Center in Huntsville. Hey, oh, like, oh, maybe nine. Did I you dress remember. up? Oh uh, yeah, Hell I was yeah. the I was in uh, I was in the next generation uniform with the the insignia on the, the pin. Um, I've seen some killer pictures, and I mean this with all sincerity, of you dressed up for different events. Like you and and your dad and your dad's family like to dress up for special. Halloween's events. a big deal. Yeah, and like I've seen Halloween's some really cool pictures of family. you guys dressed up. For Disney trips, you were Inspector yep. Inspector. We were, it was Halloween. We went oh. to Disney for Halloween. And oh. so there was this big trick-or-treat thing on the boardwalk, so we all had to dress up. We didn't have to, but of course we did. You made I was a pretty Inspector kick, Gadget. You made a Homemade kick-ass costume. Kick-ass Inspector Gadget, might I add. And that was right after the Inspector Gadget movie had come out with Matthew Broderick. Oh. Um... I did not. I remember this. I remember when they had this thing in Huntsville because it was right around the time Jesse and I first started dating. Oh, not a good time to take a girl to a Star Wars. She was down. <laughs> no, she was down. She's the one who told me about it. She was like, "Did you know they have some?" And they had like VIP tickets that you could get, where like for the opening night, where it was like a black tie affair, and Billy D. Williams was going to be there and stuff. And well, that must have been when John Luke served him at Ruth's Chris right at, right next door to the Civic Center. It could very it's all well coming be. together. Um, and we were gonna go, but at the time, like, I had all that shit with our shitty old roommate go down. I was yeah super broke. Jesse and I had just moved in together, like, so it didn't happen. It didn't end up happening. And I, I'm bummed that I didn't get to go because it was it seemed like it was pretty cool. And ever since that thing came to Huntsville, anytime there's one of these sort of traveling Star Wars exhibits, like they had one about the costumes at Star Wars that was going around to different museums and places, I kept hoping it would come to um, Huntsville or here. I mean, that would be even better. But it never made its way. I think the space things go to Huntsville because of the Rocket Center. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Did um you ever been around Huntsville when they test those rocket engines out at the arsenal? I haven't. I so I have a funny space camp story though. Oh. Did you go to space camp? Oh yeah, I went to okay. space camp. See, it makes sense for you because you lived there. Like I did. Space camp's in your back door, backyard. Right. So as a kid, I really wanted to go to space camp. Used to see the right. c- commercials on about it and they talk about it on Mr. Wizard and shit. I would bug my parents, like, can this please be the summer I get to go to space camp, right? Yeah. Well, one year, towards the end of the school year, my mom and my dad are like, this is it. This is the summer you get to go to space camp. And, buddy, I was stoked, right? Yeah. So we go to Huntsville. Now... It should maybe set off some alarm bells that it's not me, you know, they're not taking me and dropping me off. Like, we get a hotel. My mom and my dad are going. My little sister are going. 
and we go to the Space and Rocket Museum in Huntsville. Right. And as of right now, I still think I'm at fucking space camp. We're going around. We see the space monkeys. Right. We're, we're doing the little interactive museum uh, exhibits. Right. We do the uh, moonwalk ride. Do You know, the thing that bounced back and forth. You know what I'm talking about? Of course. About? Yeah, the moonshot. Yeah. Do all that. And then, so we get hungry. They're like, let's go to the cafeteria. Still, I'm thinking, I'm at space camp, and this is amazing. Oh, God. You go to the space camp cafeteria? And we get there, and I see all the kids in their fucking oh, flight suits. In actual space camp. And that's when it dawns on me, oh, I'm not at actual space camp. We're just visiting the museum. That space camp is is in. Right. And I was like, oh. Oh, I, man, that's tough. I didn't go to space camp. And, like, all the kids, like, we sat at a table, and there's all these kids at the table next to us, and they're like, they're so jazzed. They're like, I'm mission, I'm mission control. I'm pilot, blah, blah, blah. That was the shuttle simulator. You do a simulated shuttle mission, and they assign you roles. Oh, that sounds... I want, that was there, mission... Mission Scientist 1. I actually got to conduct the experiment on the show. What was the experiment? Fucking a, looking at an alien's butthole? No, no, no. I wouldn't have no experience at that. <laughs> you basically just combine these two substances and it creates creates like a bouncy ball. They It hardens and coalesces into a, a bouncy ball. You lucky son of a bitch. It was a kick-ass time. I bet, It was man. kick-ass. And it was cool because I'm sure I'm sure when you went, there wasn't the space shuttle mock-up. It was um, – because back in the day at the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, they used to have lots of rockets. It was all rockets. They didn't have a shuttle. They had the Blackbird, too. They yep. had the I remember Blackbird, the Blackbird and all the rockets. They've gotten rid of the Blackbird and the Titan rocket. They used to have a Titan rocket out in pieces and one standing up. They moved both of those, and now they have a giant uh, a replica of the space shuttle out there. I, I, I haven't been to space camp since then, so I don't know if it's still there now, but it was new at the time, and graduation was under the space shuttle uh, for space camp. That's, what, that's why I remember it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, here we go. Next up, we got an email from our buddy Steven. Sorry. Oh. I wish you should go to space camp now. You know what? To make you feel any better, I never had the flight suit. The flight suit ones were aviation challenge, and those were like high schoolers. Oh. So I never went back to that space camp. Like space like space camp, space camp, you get a t-shirt that says space camp. And you you have teams based on businesses that invest in, in like industrial, you know, uh, they're all, they're all, military industrial complex corporations that in, invest in space flight and they sponsor space camp. So all your team, like your team names, Northrop Grumman or your team Boeing or your team, you know, like Raytheon, like, you know, really? Yeah. Hmm. Still sounds like a good ass time. It was kick ass. I, mean, I can't hate on you for going. I can't be jealous. I Just, wish well, you had I am that jealous, but I can't like be mad at you that you got to go to space camp. I just, Oh man. Anyway, here it comes from our buddy Stephen. Hey guys, King Tom is truly Nostradamus, as I have been considering asking a similar question about Sidious and what he had planned out. Whereas agree with you that all of the events of Attack of the Clones went according to his plan and influence, I'm curious to what your thoughts are regarding the events of the Phantom Menace. Was Padme supposed to get off Naboo? Was it his plan to have them go to Tatooine? 
Obviously, the whole invasion was set up to get Palpatine in power, but was the Trade Federation supposed to win the battle and remain in control of Naboo? I'm guessing that Darth Maul wasn't supposed to die. Was the war actually supposed to have been started then, based on that invasion? But with the death of Maul and the finding of Anakin, Palpatine slowly started to pay thing, play things to wait for Anakin to grow up. Thanks for all you do. I look forward to your show each week. Steve, thanks for writing in, buddy. Um, I kind of get the feeling that in The Phantom Menace, Palpatine wants like the invasion of Naboo. Like, I do feel like his plans go awry then. You know, like, I don't think it's his plan for uh, Padme to get off Tatooine. I don't think, or off Naboo, I don't think he wants them to go to to Tatooine. I think that was just sort of a happy accident in that it led to the discovery of Anakin. Um, so I don't think he is that, you know, masterful of a planner. I do think, well, I don't know, because he definitely uses Padme and her influence to call for the vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum, which leads to him becoming the Chancellor. But I still don't think that's his his plan to, to begin with. After he tries to kill her. Right. Or tries to have her killed. Maybe he knew she wasn't going to get killed because the Jedi were there. You know, maybe his plan was, yeah, Bait. It, they'll kill her, you know, and then he'll use... That the, act the, to call for the vote of no confidence. Maybe it was. He the may have angle. been trying to spark the war early, like not early, but that may the trade war may have been his first attempt at sparking galactic conflict and calling forth the clone army. Yeah, it could have been. Although by that, by that time the clone army wasn't even in production. Clone army goes into production but, after the Phantom Menace. Really, mm-hmm. I thought it was Sifo-Dyas. Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas that had it. It was, and it was it was after the events of the Phantom Menace. I think oh, okay. that's when Sifo-Dyas has like, the vision that leads to him wanting to create the so clone army. So it is Sifo-Dyas. It's not, it's not Palpatine parading us. No. They, they go through that stuff in, um, in the last arc of the Clone Wars, Season 6. Like the Yoda arc, it gets okay. into some of the Sifo-Dyas stuff and how that all came about. So, yeah, I I think really, when you view the whole scheme of Palpatine, it's more impressive how adaptable he is when stuff doesn't go how he probably wanted it to go, especially when it comes to the family. A schemer knows how to side scheme. Right, and how to to recalibrate when things don't go right. Right. So if I had to guess, you know, his goal, like we said, probably invade Naboo, take out Padme, use the outrage over that to sort of double-cross the Trade Federation, put himself into power as the Chancellor, and then go from there, probably with Darth Maul as his apprentice. But then, you know, she's... He underestimates her. She gets off Tatooine... I keep saying Tatooine. Gets off Naboo, goes to Tatooine. And the Jedi. He plans to... He he tells Newt Gunner to kill the Jedi. Well, yeah, and I don't think... he was planning on them sending Jedi either. They seem surprised uh-huh. that Jedi show up. So, right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's probably what was going on. If I had to guess, 
it's damn complicated. I mean, it's that Phantom Menace is a two-sided coin. It is probably the most complicated political piece of Star Wars, yet it is probably the most aimed at children and selling toys at the same time. It's it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it is it is interesting when you think about the Phantom Menace, which I've always appreciated. Like, I was never in the camp of, like, I hate the Phantom Menace. No, I never I, not was either. I feel like my appreciation for that movie has only grown. Yeah. Over the last few years. Um, but, to me, it may be one of the best out of that trilogy. I mean, Revenge of the Sith is good, but... You, you know, the, the, I don't know. I, you know, I agree with you. <clears throat> I love Revenge of the Sith, but Revenge of the Sith almost, in some ways, feels like the Cliff Notes version of a, a larger story. Right, right. Where we're seeing the highlights and the really important stuff, but it seems like there's, and there definitely was a lot of stuff cut out, and then they're sort of rushing to try and check off everything they need to do by the end of the movie. Okay, you saw this. Okay, you saw this. Okay, you saw this. Okay, you saw this. You got to see that, and you got to see that. You know, but I still really enjoy the movie, but I I see what you're saying. It, It just feels like a, you know, like a, a small chunk of a bigger thing that we could have gotten with maybe 10 more minutes. And it's a long movie as it is, but the Phantom Menace feels like the most complete and well-crafted feature film. It feels the most like its own self-contained movie with its own self-contained story. Right. Like it, and it's, you know, like it's sort of the Star Wars thing. Like you could say the same thing with A New Hope, as opposed to Empire and Jedi. A New right. Hope feels like its own sort of self-contained beginning, middle, and end story. Um, and I feel like Phantom Menace is the same. And then I think it does sort of, you know, like was Attack of the Clones sort of lends ends on a cliffhanger ish. Like the Clone Wars has started, and then. There's just so much stuff they had to cover in Revenge of the Sith that we knew they had to cover. Uh, the birth of the twins, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, and so much that you miss. Right. The second one ends with the start of the the very beginning act of the Clone War, and the third one opens with the very final scene of the the you know the, the beginning of the battle. end of the Clone yeah. Wars. I guess the Clone Wars really ends with the uh, execution of Order 66. Right. I guess that's the true end of the Clone Wars. But Well, or, I mean, you can call it the end if it's Darth Vader, when Darth Vader kills the whole, what, the Confederacy. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, you know, you know, both of those are the same thing, but the Separatist, yeah, sorry. Um, but, you know, you know. I'm saying that's splitting hairs. That's yeah. philosophical. Mm. Well, anyways, buddy, I think that'll do it for this week. Thanks for okay. uh, tearing yourself away from some Red Dad to record with me. Trust me. You know, I'm going to go put the needle back in my arm right now. <laughs> got some hands of poker to play. Yeah, I got some poker to play. Guys, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. We have a tea public store if you're into that sort of thing tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast leave us a five-star review 
on iTunes. If you have a chance and haven't done so already, it helps us out a ton. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week. So we'll see you guys next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hans Burkhart. And I am Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>